Lo, the apostolic train join your sacred name to hallow. Prophets swell the glad refrain and the white-robed martyrs follow. There is this heavenly worship where prayers set in the shape and form of songs are being prayed. Jesus is leading those songs. As, as we have seen from Zephaniah 3, God the Father is singing. Jesus is leading the singing of the congregation. The angels and saints are singing. In this singing, they are praying. And what we have been looking at here in the, the Lord's Prayer is, is all being unfolded in light of that context that we are participants when we pray. We are participants in all that is happening in the heavenly places. And so I invite you to turn your copies of God's holy and inspired word back to the Gospel of Matthew. We will once again read uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 14, and then zero in on the second and third petitions of the Lord's Prayer this morning. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what can we say that could truly capture how wonderful your truth and your goodness and your beauty are in and of themselves, let alone capturing what they are to us even as we receive them and embrace them in, in the ongoing sinfulness of our hearts and minds and wills. We truly appreciate them, Lord, and yet we need your help. We need you through your Spirit to help us open ourselves up even more to your truth, goodness, and beauty. And so speak to us through your words. And, and may your spirit take them and, and send them deep within us that we may cultivate roots that grow into the depths that our fruit might, might grow and spread in a great breadth, not only within our own lives and within our own church, but within your world. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Beloved, what we have been talking about here as we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount is that the values and ethical practices of the church are to bear witness to the cross and resurrection of Christ. What we value and the virtues that we embody and the practices that we engage in are to reveal the cross They are to reveal Jesus' resurrection from the dead. They are to reveal his new life in the heavenly places and his ultimate return when he will bring his kingdom in its full consummation. As we said moments ago, there is nothing that's been left undone. And in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God have become yes and amen. You and I do not see that fullness yet. You and I do not experience that fullness yet. But the glorious, blessed hope of the church is that it is coming. And so while we wait, we wait actively as those who are engaging with God and participating with him in his life, his love, his worship, and his mission. The degree to which we do this, beloved, is the degree to which we ourselves will benefit and be used. As we have said, you can profess faith in Jesus Christ while at the same time denying its content contradicting its virtues, contradicting its values, contradicting its practices. And this is very, very particularly so when it comes to our praying. Even in prayer, and I might say especially in prayer, our chief end is to glorify God And enjoy him forever. Prayer is that place where we draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence. As children to a father who is not only capable but desirous of helping us and including us in who he is and what he is doing. The church father John Chrysostom once said, Worthy is the, prayer, is the one who prays and who calls God Father. For this is a prayer to ask nothing before the glory of his Father, but to account all things secondary to the work of praising him. Prayer starts with God and is focused on him before it ever becomes focused on us. Prayer is one of those places where it becomes so easy to be extremely self-centered. It is a place for us to become extremely individualistic, forgetting that we are part of the church, forgetting that we are part of the union and communion that has always existed within Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, from the very beginning here, teaches us to pray, Our Father. He teaches us to pray in the first person plural, always praying for 
for us and praying in light of we. Not, and, and then starting with God himself. In that first petition, we were reminded that not only is uh, God our heavenly Father, but there is already a heavenly existence in which everything that we are praying for already exists. It is already happening. It is already going on. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus has used here in the, the Sermon on the Mount, is that realm of God's own unopposed glory. And there is a place where this is already happening and experienced. What we are praying for is for that to come so that it might be our experience. Prayer then, as we've noted, is a corporate practice. It is not just an individual practice. In prayer, we draw near to God as we seek to worship him, and as we seek not only our own good, but the good of others. And in prayer, it is corporate because we are participating in the praying of Christ. And we are participating in the ongoing prayers of the church. As you can see, for example, in Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation chapter 6, and so forth. Prayer is a corporate practice. It's not just individual. And prayer is a participation. It's a participation. It's one of the most fundamental, central, and intimate ways that we participate in the heavenly celebration of God. For in it, we participate in the mediatorial prayers of Christ. We participate in the prayerful songs, the prayerful adoration. When the angels and departed saints cry out, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. You and I, beloved, participate with them when we too pray those words, praying them even as a prayer or praying them through song. As we move into this second and third petitions then, Everything about prayer that we have seen up to this point continues to be true. Jesus just continues to fill out the details. We pray as a community. We pray with Christ. We pray God-centered praying and, and starting with God's holiness and the desire to participate in the spreading of God's fame throughout the earth. In the second petition, what we see then is a cry for the consummation of the kingdom. This is a cry that was captured very succinctly in the early church as they would pray the prayer of Maranatha, an Aramaic term that is translated in your English translations as Lord come. We see this in 1 Corinthians 16 and Revelation chapter 22. And our Lord who describes himself, remember in Revelation 1 at the very beginning of our service, 
our God, who described himself to us as the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, is also the one who has promised us, as we saw earlier in the service, a new heavens and a new earth, where the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, where we will be glad and rejoice forever as we exist as a joyful kingdom. He has promised to bring this to pass by saving people and sending that people out to the edges of the earth with his gospel. Our hallowing of God's name on earth as it is in heaven is the spread uh, that takes place where his, his glory is spread throughout the world as we declare his glory among the nations. And to this end, he has provided us a king in Jesus Christ, but not just any king, not an earthly king, not a king who is like us, but maybe a little stronger or maybe a little better. He has provided us the God-man as king. He has provided us as king, the one through whom the world exists, the one to whom the world belongs. And not just what is visible, but also invisible. He has made everything for himself, including thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. Whether they be earthly manifestations here within this world, or as they exist as spiritual principalities. There is nothing left undone. There is nothing outside of what he sees and what he is doing. We are told that Jesus has made everything for himself and that he is reconciling all things to himself. And he closes Revelation in chapter 22, promising to us, surely I am coming soon, to which the church prays, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. What Jesus is helping us understand here with this second petition is that prayer is is a means by which we cultivate the anticipation of the consummation of all things. Which means prayer itself is a means by which we cultivate a longing for the new heavens and the new earth, while at the same time cultivating dissatisfaction with this present world. We hallow God's name. And then we reorient ourselves to his kingdom existence and his kingdom purposes and his kingdom power to fulfill all that he wants and all that he has promised. Until the consummation, the kingdom of God is going to grow. And it is going to advance. And we are told in Isaiah, it's going to go to the uttermost parts of the world. And so thy kingdom come really is an eschatological prayer for the consummation 
It is a prayer for the return of Christ and for the fullness of everything that Christ has accomplished for us to finally and ultimately become ours. So what do we pray for? Well, we we are made and redeemed for something other than this present world in its fallen condition. And so what do we pray for? We pray for the new heavens and the new earth. We pray for those realities to come and to come in their fullness. And we pray that we would be aligned to those realities even now as we are waiting. We are also to set our hearts, minds, and wills on that kingdom to come and to wean our hearts, minds, and wills from this present world. And the practice of prayer, beloved, plays just as much of a role in shaping our values and our virtues just as much as our virtues and values will will be played out in our practices, the practices themselves can help in the development and maturity of our virtues and our values. If you took the prayer challenge this week and you prayed those prayers of adoration three times a day as those emails went forth, if you did that, you, you would know that not only did you pray that, that God would, would be glorified, but you saw within your own heart and mind a reorientation, a realignment within yourself to his glory. Not just for him, but for you and for one another. Our practices reflect the virtues and values, but our practices also help us cultivate those virtues and values. And so in our prayers, we want to actively and very intentionally pray in such a way that we are cultivating an anticipation of and a longing for the world to come and cultivating a dissatisfaction with this present world. And so we pray to long for and submit to God's rule in our own lives. We pray that we would live right now more and more in light of who God has justified us to be in Christ. In Christ, he considers you righteous. And so what we are praying for in this second petition is that we would come to reflect our justification more and more in our virtues and our values and our practices. We pray right now that we would live in light of who God sanctifies us to be. God doesn't just justify you and leave you to yourself until Jesus returns. But through the Spirit, Jesus is sanctifying us. He is forming us. He is reforming us. He is remaking us into his image so that you and I are actually growing in maturity even right now. You are more right now who you will be than you were last year. And so our prayer here is to cultivate living in light of our sanctification in addition to our justification. And we pray to live right now in light of the glorification that is to come. Beloved, one day what God accounts you to be in Christ and one day what he is making you into In Christ, one day, that will be the only thing that you know. 
It will be the only thing that you experience. There is a day coming where there will be no longer any sin within us. And the complete totality of who we are and what we want, our virtues, our values, and our practices will be 100% congruent with who God is and what God is doing in the heavenly places as he will bring that to earth. So this is a kingdom prayer where we are praying for the full consummation of what has begun in Christ. But this is also a missionary prayer. It is a prayer for the advancement of the kingdom through the spread of the gospel. As is said in the Shorter Catechism, when we pray, Thy kingdom come, we are praying that the reign of Christ, the growth of the kingdom, the salvation of the lost, the subjection of Christ's enemies, and the destruction of Satan's kingdom will all be accomplished. This is a missionary prayer. When we pray, Your kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for that realm of the unopposed glory of God to be revealed in its fullness throughout the earth. And God has told us the outward and ordinary means by which he will accomplish that. And for some reason, he has chosen to do that in and through us. As we receive the kingdom. And as we glory in that kingdom, and as we allow the kingdom virtues, values, and practices to filter us and to become more real within us, we bear witness to that kingdom. And, and, and beloved, here's what happens. To fulfill this missionary calling of God's people, you don't have to be someone who yourself goes to the uttermost parts of the world, your praying for this to happen is already a participation. Are you praying that way? Do you pray for the gospel of Jesus Christ to spread throughout the earth? You don't have to be one who goes. You simply are one who prays. And as we pray for that gospel to go, we recognize that there are going to be people and principalities that will attempt to strive against the efforts of Christ through his church. And so we pray, thy king, when we pray thy kingdom come, we are also praying that God would remove that opposition. And we pray that when it comes to the people, we pray that in the being removed from that opposition, that it would come to pass as they are brought into the very kingdom that they are striving to oppose. When you pray for those governments and when you pray for those different religions that are known for persecuting the church of Christ around the world? Do you pray for their salvation? Do you pray that through the testimony of those who suffer and the testimony of those who die, 
where they bear witness to the greatest witness of the death, resurrection, and heavenly kingdom of of Jesus Christ as they are willing to literally give up this world as they are faithful in their bearing witness to Christ. Do you pray that those efforts will lead to the salvation of those who are opposed? Where the general uh, common grace or the general beneficence of God that he shares with his enemies that they might come to partake of that special grace of a new life in Christ by bowing their knee and receiving Christ as their king. We are to pray for this. We are to pray for those governments and pray that God's truth would come to bear witness within those governments and the laws that are enacted and executed within the world, that they would come into conformity with what God has revealed. But we are to pray, beloved, starting with ourselves for ourselves. That the coming of God's kingdom is something that we want first within ourselves. Being willing to allow Christ access to the very depths of who we are, to remake us truly in his image. This prayer, thy kingdom come, it is sometimes very easy to to pray against the nations who are aligned against Christ and to pray all these strong prayers about, you know, God, what we want you to do and, and removing their resistance and what we would love to see you do and getting them to submit their knees and their, their knees to Christ. And, and we like to pray these, prong, these strong prayers against our enemies. But let me ask you, do you pray that same strength when it comes to praying for yourself? Lord, Come into my heart and force me to continue to bow my knees, especially in the areas where I do not want to. Now, if you can pray that prayer for the nations, pray it for yourself. And as you pray that prayer for yourself, pray it for the nations. We want the full consummation of the kingdom of God's unopposed glory to be within our lives, to be within our church, and to be within the world. And so pray that the Lord would not only work these things, but that he would also remove the opposition that does exist. When we come to the third petition, thy will be done, it is a continuation of your kingdom come. When you think of a kingdom, you uh, think in terms of a rule and a realm. There is the rule of the king and there is the realm in which he rules. Those things make up a kingdom. We sometimes refer to this with the word dominion, for example, that, that there is a dominion, even right now, that lives in the unopposed glory of God and that we are praying will come here. And so as we pray for for that realm to come, we are also praying that God's rule as it exists in the heavenly places will come. 
And once again, we pray first for ourselves. We, we pray that, um, that the church would itself come to not just profess the truth, but to truly cling to the truth of what God is revealing. Now, there's two, let me, let me make a quick theological point for the nerds, and then the rest of you will be brought back in. When it comes to theology, when we talk about God's will, there are two basic categories of God's will. There is what we refer to as God's decretive will, and there is the realm of God's preceptive will. If you don't remember those things, you're going to be all right. But when we talk about God's decretive will, what we're talking about is those decisions that God has made, that he is carrying out, that he made within the secret counsel of of his pre-creation existence. These are the things that God knows within himself that he is not revealing. So, for example, did God reveal that he is coming back? This is your opportunity as Presbyterians to speak in the, in the sermon. Did he promise that he's coming back? Okay. Has he told us when? All right. So the coming of Christ is one of those things that, that is part of his decretive will. He has decreed that it's going to happen, but he hasn't told us anything beyond that. When it comes to God's decretive will, what what we're really talking about are those instances of his providence that happen within the world, that happen within your family, your church, your own life. Now, do we always have an appreciation for the providences that God brings into our lives? Right? No, we don't. Praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we are praying with regards to this prayer when it comes to God's decretive will is that we would learn to submit to the providences of God within our lives. It also refers to God's preceptive will, meaning the precepts of what God has revealed in Scripture. Has he revealed to us, thou shalt not murder? Yes, he has. And do we believe that? Oh, well, that's a little worrisome. (laughs) Do we believe thou shalt not murder? (laughs) Okay, all right. Do we believe do all things without arguing and complaining? Yeah, there you go. All right. So that's an example of God's preceptive will. It's a precept in which God has revealed, here is how you are to live. Now, that one, we're not as excited about. But the reality is we are called to live in submission, not only to the providences that God brings into our lives, we are called to live in submission to what God has told us, here is how you live as someone who has been made new in my son. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, we pray, thy will be done, as we want to see that realm and rule of the unopposed glory of the triune God 
be brought into its final and ultimate consummation when God, who has promised, I am uh, bringing about a new heavens and a new earth, and I am making all things new, when he actually, finally, and ultimately brings all of that to pass. Until that day comes, beloved, we pray. And we pray for these realities to first be within ourselves. And then we pray for these realities to be seen more and more within ourselves, within this church, within our community, and throughout the world. And so as we have been seeing here, the, the, the Lord's Prayer is, is a prayer that, that very succinctly provides us something to pray where we do reorient ourselves to the heavenly realities and purposes and powers of our triune God. And why we should be using this as a form prayer for ourselves and for our church day after day after day. But as you are also starting to see, it is a prayer that also provides us these category heads of, of specific petitions that we are to make as we fill out with greater fullness these petitions when, when we start with praising God as our Heavenly Father and participating in the hallowing on earth as that hallowing of God's name is happening in the heavenly places and where we pray this, these prayers for the kingdom realm and the kingdom rule of Christ to come and to make it itself present within us and through us as we take this to the world. Is this how you're praying? Or do you continue to pray those self-centered prayers. Lord, help me, help me, help me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How do you pray? Why are you praying? This week, the, the, challenge, the prayer challenge will be to continue to pray these prayers three times a day where we start with praise and adoration. But we'll also include some promises from Scripture about the coming of God's kingdom and, and that reception of God's will. And so this week, what I, what I challenge you to do is, is take every day this week and pray for a different aspect of our church and, and the, the church throughout the world um, as we pray for, for us to embrace these things so that we can embody them. And so I will include in the emails this week different missionaries that we can pray for by name. And, and, and I'll include different ministries within this church. If God's preceptive will is, is going to come and, and be within us as it is in heaven, well, what do we have to do? We have to learn that will. And that's why we do discipleship. 
That's why we have women's Bible study, men's Bible study, the youth group, the children's groups, right? This is why we, we do these things so that at least with regards to God's preceptive will, you can't keep that if you don't even know what it is. And so we're going to pray for the ministries of our church. When we do uh, trail life and when we do American Heritage Girls and ESL, when we, there are all these different people that are coming from outside of our church that are coming from the community. When they come and they meet and they are part of these meetings, beloved, we are to be praying that the witness that takes place here through the leaders of these different ministries, that it will bear witness to these visitors who come to us especially those visitors that are, uh, that are coming for ESL as they are native residents of places around the world. We, we have people who, who have been coming to ESL that are from all over Central America, all over South America. We have uh, some who have come from uh, Central Europe. We have some who have come from uh, from the uh, Caribbean islands. We have had some that have come from Vietnam, Korea, Japan. Beloved, the uttermost parts of the earth are coming here. And so pray for those who are involved in ESL that, that we would bear witness to something greater than this world. And as, a little plug in, as the announcement says, we're looking for more people to help. And so prayerfully consider coming and joining us. But beloved, this is our privilege as God's people. That, that we are those, through our practice of prayer, participate in the heavenly praying. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what joy fills our hearts and minds as we ponder the wonder of who you are and what you are doing. Father, we pray that, that we would cultivate that wonder and awe more and more aggressively, more and more thoroughly, more and more regularly. That in cultivating this awe and wonder, Lord, that, that the totality of how we interpret you and how we interpret ourselves and how we interpret the world would all be changed and reoriented. So that as Christ, through his spirit, through the means of grace, is remaking us in order that we might live into Christian flourishing Lord, we, we pray that you would truly do this within us. Truly pr praying that the hallowing of your name and that the coming of your kingdom and that your will, which is unopposed in the heavenly places, might be something that we desire and long for and anticipate and that it might be something, something that we pray for and then live as participants in bringing about what you have purposed. And so, Lord, teach us truly to humble ourselves in Christ, 
and to cultivate within ourselves the power of the Holy Spirit that we would truly be a praying church and a church that practices what we pray. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.